Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Hey, welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the HD FM dial. Also, hat tip to our sister station out in western Kansas, Garden City, 14, uh, 1240 KIUL. What's up, guys? Welcome in. Happy Saturday to you. Trying to kick off another weekend, trying to get you up and moving for the day as we do every single weekend here on the program. Give us a call, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We'd love to hear from you today. Got a lot to talk about. Did you know, and I know it's hard to believe, today is April 1st, which means today is April Fool's Day. But And I was going to play a prank. I always like to. I'm the goofball kind of guy like that where I like to enjoy maybe a little bit of a prank, a nice little gag, nice little heart, uh, full, a heart-filled joke once in a while on the radio. However, it's hard to do in a time where the world is already a bit of a joke, so <laughs> it's uh, it's hard to actually make anything more funny than what it already is because sometimes you just got to kick back and chuckle a little bit with the craziness that goes on in the world today. So no jokes. However, do you know the history of April Fool's? Kind of an interesting story, honestly. Back in the day, back in way back in the day, like thousands of years ago, when we ended up changing the calendar to what we have it today, which is, by the way, a really, really stupid calendar. Now, around this time, was supposed to be New Year's. Yeah, this is supposed to be the New Year, the beginning of springtime. Everything's blooming again. We come out of the winter time. We come out of the deep cold. We start doing our planting. We get prepared again. That's when New Year's is supposed to be. And when they changed the calendars back in the day, uh, they ended up changing it, but the individuals in the city were the ones that enjoyed it because imagine uh, October, what does oct mean? It actually does not mean 10. It actually means eight. Uh, November, nove would actually be nine. Dec would actually be 10 instead of the 12th month of the year. We've really messed up ourselves with this entire thing. So this was supposed to be the new year. The city slickers back in the day actually took to the new calendar because, well, to them, that just made sense. We had to change it for the uh, religious organizations that were in power that decided to dominate over the people, the government that was in cahoots with them as well. And they completely shifted our timelines to where we now have the calendar that we have today with the new year being at the end of December and January being the new year. The agricultural and the farming communities, however, still use the old calendar for the new year. That would be springtime during planting time because, well, it's a new year. Things are coming back. Let's go ahead and start getting stuff in the ground. And they would, uh, the city folk began calling them fools because they were still celebrating the old calendar and they were still using uh, March and April is the time of the new year as opposed to uh, October, November, and December at the end of the old year. And the term April Fool's came about with uh, mocking those that still use the old calendar 
for the springtime being the representation of the new year. So uh, with that being said, they ended up pulling pranks and playing jokes and having a good time with them because, well, you know, city slickers always seem to have a little bit more of a uh, mentality over the agricultural community like we're seeing in Washington, D.C. right now with the elites of, oh, you're a truck driver, you're a farmer, you don't have the highest of IQs, therefore we're going to make fun of you and say that you are unqualified to be an elected official, or except unless you're a John Fetterman. <laughs> which have you seen him now that he's apparently out of the hospital from his severe depression looks a little bit different there's a theory a conspiracy theory that john fetterman the senator from pennsylvania that beat dr oz in the elections if you remember that one uh there's a theory that he ended up not actually making it out of the hospital and it's actually someone else staging to be him just like joe biden how about that for a conspiracy theory in the morning? Welcome into the program. 316-721-8255. talk Happy April. Happy April Fool's Day. Happy beginning of quarter number two of 2023. Bottom of the hour. We got a lot to get to today. Uh, we are at the end of the general session of the legislative session in Kansas for 2023. I know. It's crazy, right? The fact that we are already moving through so quickly. So the end of the session is right around the corner. We have committees that uh, are still convening over the next week or two, and then they'll join by the end of April for their sign and die, recap of the session, finish off any bills that they need to, and then boom, finito, it's over. Legislative session in the state of Kansas is over for the year. So that means where are we at with the general session being over essentially? Where are we at with some of the bills that we discussed, some of the tax bills, the women's rights bill, the women's sports bill, and other things? We'll talk with State Representative Stephen Owens. He's from District Number 74 in the Newton, Kansas area. We'll have him on at the bottom of the hour. Hour number two, uh, House Speaker Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House for the State Legislature. He'll be with us for the entire hour uh, live in studio, and we'll get an update from him as well for what's going on uh, to wrap up the session as well. So a lot of stuff to get to there. We also have the big news, of course, from this week of Donald Trump with the indictment on 34 counts of business fraud, quote unquote. Where is it going to go? Is there going to be anything of this? His arraignment coming up on Tuesday next week where he's willingly said he will fly to New York and turn himself in. They'll have the hearing. And then what's going to happen after that is up in the air. What it sounds like, however, is that he's going to go there. He's going to get his hearing. He's going to be done. He's going to walk back onto his plane, probably go to a rally, and then that be it. Because they have nothing on him, for one. And if so, it's nothing serious enough for him to have, uh, for him to, have to be in handcuffs or in chains or behind bars. And they'll bail him out, and everything will be fine. And he'll continue on with his presidential campaign. The bigger question is, those that may not support Donald Trump, do you support him more so now? Or do you not like him even more now? Is it any difference to you? Because from what I've seen is that even those that were on the fence of like, yeah, he was kind of a good president, but kind of a jerk in person, didn't really care for his tweets, kind of an egomaniac, whatever, but he did some good stuff for the country. Even those people are like, you know, we really don't trust the justice system anymore. Because while we've had investigations on Hillary Clinton, while we've had investigations on the Clinton Foundation, while we've had investigations on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the Biden laptop, and China and Russia in the collusion with China and Russia and the Ukraine with the Biden family, with the ongoing corruption with the Democrat Party and just elites as a whole in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump, who's been the most investigated man in the history of the United States, they come out with nothing more 
than 34 counts of uh, of business fraud that happened 20 years ago, 10 years ago in his par- in his private business, and that somehow is going to make him disqualified to be president of the United States. I fail to see how this is going to impact him in any way, shape, or form. Could be wrong on that, but I'm not quite sure on the uh, reason on why they're doing what they're doing, except for them to get the photo op of him sitting in a courtroom with a judge facing charges. And that's all the media really cares for. And that's all the media really wants. Now, to Donald Trump's credit, he was spot on when he said that he was going to be, quote-unquote, arrested on a Tuesday. It was just a couple weeks uh, later than what he had anticipated. Maybe the scare from the uh, to, uh, from the case that um, ended up delaying them a little bit to make sure that their case was t- sealed tight with the uh, T's crossed and the I's dotted to make sure everything was running the way it needed to be. Do you agree? Does this make you support him more? If you were concerned about supporting him in the presidential election before, does this change your opinion in any way, shape, or form moving forward as well now that he's still planning on running for president of the United States? So we got a lot to get to, and I want to hear all your phone calls at 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines uh, real quickly as well because we have some calls, so I'll get to you in a second. Some of the legislative bills that have been finished, and I made a call out on social media and some of our state senators, not quite sure where they're at here. So it's uh, we're going to be getting them on the program to call them out on this one. But it is official. We'll see if the governor signs it, which more than likely she will. Uh, hat tip to WIBW on this story. Kansas moving the age to buy tobacco to the age of 21 from the age of 18. I know. Yeah, that's the level that we're at now. So I'm sorry. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. Why in the world? Would we raise the age of tobacco sales to the age of 21 in the state of Kansas? I know why. It's kind of a rhetorical question, but it's a frustrating rhetorical question. Why would you raise the age of tobacco sales to the age of 21? Well, the federal guidelines have changed to the age of 21, which means now the federal government's putting pressure on states across the nation to change theirs as well at the state level, or else they're going to lose federal funding on certain programs. Very scary. And now I will give Kansas credit that we are one of the uh, states on the bottom of the list that's dependent on federal funding. However, for us to lose a couple million dollars in federal grants for certain programs, you can say bye. I don't give a you know what, because I really don't care what your federal guidelines are. We're doing things as a state. If you can sign up for the military, if you can vote and choose our elected officials, if you can be considered an adult in the nation, but yet you can't buy cigarettes. What the hell are we doing? And I mentioned this when the House of Representatives passed it, unfortunately, and now the Senate passed it, and the Senate passed it overwhelmingly, like 28 to 11. It was ridiculous how badly our state Senate actually approved that bill because they're scared of the federal government. They show that they have no spine whatsoever, and they were scared of losing federal funding. Now it's sent to the governor, which I'm assuming, if it hasn't already been signed now, it will be signed here relatively soon. But now... 18-year-old, sorry, even though you can drive, you can get your driver's license, you can sign up for the military, and you can register to vote, you're not allowed to stick that piece of tobacco in your mouth and suck on it because apparently that is really, really bad, and you're going to die right away if you do that because everything will kill you right now. That's what we call 
stupid and a whole bunch of idiots running our legislature. So we'll talk. Uh, what I'm going to do, I, I am, I'm going to make it a personal point to get some of those legislators on Republicans because we have a supermajority of Republicans in the state Senate to get them on the program and make them explain why they voted for that bill and why that little bit of federal funding was so important that we have to extend adolescence and we have to try and protect our children from ourselves because they're too stupid to make their own health decisions, but they're smart enough to be able to vote and sign up for the military. Doesn't quite make a lot of sense to me. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? The phones are lit up across the board. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, fight the power, Andy. Fight the power, man. I'm telling you, these guys, I'm t- I, I agree with our Republican legislature on a vast majority of issues, but sometimes they lose their common sense. Oh, man. Okay, first of all, uh, you know your car's got a flat tire? My car has a flat tire? Yeah. You must have ran over something on the, on the way to work this morning. Don't tell me that. Why? Are you in the parking yeah. lot of the station? What are you doing? Yeah. I drove by. I was going to come in, but uh, decided, now nah, I need to get over to the lake where I'm at now and have my coffee and watch a Miami Vice on my uh, iPhone. Good man. Good man. Well, I will look at that. That concerns me because that's I, I don't need that right now. So uh, let's hope that that's not the case. But I appreciate you letting me know, so I'll check that out. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, it looks like the Democrats are bound and determined to make a martyr out of Donald Trump. Uh, uh, he, if anything, you know, this is only going to make his uh, uh, support for him uh, grow. What they've been doing to him—not not just this case, but what they've been doing to him since uh, since 2015 or 16. But yeah. uh, <clears throat> so. Yeah, I think he's going to get nominated, and I think he's going to be back in the White House. That's a prediction, by the way. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think I, we can congratulate the Democrats and the mainstream media for um, allowing Donald Trump to get back into the White House because this may have secured him the election again. Yeah, and number two, this uh, uh, raising the um, the reason that they raised the uh, uh, age to uh, buy tobacco products is the same reason they raised raise the age to 21 to drink, uh, which is, well, the reason is uh, revenue. Mm, revenue. Well, how so? I mean, you'd think that if you could buy it at a, at a younger age and you'd have more years to be able to invest in buying those products, which would you think the government would want? Yeah, but see, um, it has to do with fines. Mm. Okay. You know, it's like getting a traffic ticket. That's one way a city makes money is by uh, issuing traffic tickets. So you want the uh, you're saying they want the violations of kids trying to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol at a younger age, so that way they can find the parents or you know get somebody in trouble. So that way it's a revenue source for them based on citations. Well, hell yeah, they do. You know, back in uh, 1991, there used to be this high-ranking uh, cop that lived across the street from my. Uh, one of my cousins that I uh, was working for at the time as a drywaller. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> he told my cousin that the, uh, that the uh, domestic violence laws were nothing but a sham. It's designed to raise money. You know, you get pop for DV, and it don't take nothing to get, uh, uh, get pop for DV. All you got to do is, like, say, get into an argument with a neighbor you know, across the fence, there don't have to be no violence. Boom, you both get arrested for a uh, uh, DV, and then uh, <clears throat> you got to go to court. You got to hire a lawyer. So, lawyer makes money. 
you know, you will be uh, convicted and with a fine, you know, and yeah. you got to pay the fine, court costs. So everybody makes money except for you. You lose out, you get a mark on your record, you know, at least a misdemeanor. Yeah. Well, misdemeanor I I could see then you got to go to anger management. <laughs> then you got to go to anger time. management. That's, then there's a whole line of things that go on after that. I could see it. I could see it. I uh, I got to take a break here, my friend. So I got I got to let you go here. But you're right. I'm sure that doesn't hurt the cities, the counties, the state as a whole, as well. Looking for more of those fines, more of those citations. Again, I ask you: Is there one thing in society that is free? And by free, I mean unlicensed, unregulated unsupervised in some way shape or form where you don't have to ask permission in order to do it it's a very strange world that we live in sean i appreciate it my friend have a wonderful weekend and enjoy that warmer weather we got some more calls on the line we'll get to you as soon as we come back here lots to get to today for candace talk right here on the big talker kqam out of wichita kansas on our friends out in kiul and garden city kansas got a lot to talk about today hang tight right here Twenty-six minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Happy Saturday to you. Welcome back into Kansas Talk. By the way, for Sean, I before I go out and check, I'm questioning on whether this is an April Fool's gag. I'm prepared. Here's the thing. Mrs. Voice of Reason always gets me every single year. Every year she gets me. I very rarely get hurt because I never have time to think about a good gag or prank, but she gets me every year. So I'm on guard today. So uh, <laughs> I uh, whether that's an April Fool's gag or not, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm hesitant now. So thank you very much. I'm on guard. Thank you for reminding me that I have to prepare myself on this whole flat tire issue. Let's go back to the phones here, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, it's Mark. And Mark, how are you doing, friend? Hey, I'm doing good. Good. What's on your mind? Um. I wanted to. I just wanted to comment on, um, uh, you know, the indictment of Trump. And when I heard that Thursday night, I was absolutely shocked that they would actually go through with it. Uh, you know, it's been investigated by several other agencies, and they all opted not to, not to try to pursue it. Um, I think that, you know, I think that this is going to solidify the Trump base. And I'll say this much, you know, I'm a supporter of Trump. I voted for him two times. Uh, I definitely, you know, I put him right up there with uh, with probably Lincoln and uh, and Ronald Reagan as far as the best presidents. Sure. Um, the guy actually, you know, the promises that he made in his campaign, he actually held to it. And so, you know, one one platform I think Donald Trump should run on is, you know, he exposed the swamp to us. And we're only through the Twitter files and everything else for finding just how big this swamp is. Uh, I think if he would run on a mandate uh, to fire all the heads of these agencies that are, you know, have have become politicized and are prosecuting Republicans and conservatives, uh, I think I think that would gain him some momentum. But like I said, I don't think he can win on just the Republican base alone. I mean. Um, you know, I think he has some of this that's going on has to appeal to the independents. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are really apathetic, apathetic about 
what's going on in politics, and they just don't want to look at it and say, oh, it doesn't involve me. Right. But, um, you know, I, I'm i not going to say that, I'm, uh, that I'll am that i vote for Donald Trump this time. I mean, I really like Tim Scott, and I want to see what DeSantis has to say. But I definitely think that uh, this is going to give Trump a lot of momentum to fundraise and that kind of stuff. But I also look at, like, the Democratic playbook, and, you know, probably for the next year, they're going to drag this out and be able to, you know, oh, he's under criminal investigation. But, the you know, you look at all the, yeah, yeah you know, uh, you look at you look at all the investigations he's all already been through. I mean, there's never been anybody persecuted as much as Donald Trump. Uh, and he's he's always come out squeaky clean. Um, that is very true. Mark, yeah, I, I hate to cut you off. i got to take a hard break here, but you're spot on. I agree. I think he is going to get a massive boost. He's already broken records for the amount of fundraising he's done under a Republican umbrella. So he's done very well there, and I think this will help him in that case as well. Can he breach out beyond the Republican Party and win over more supporters? I don't know. That's a good question. So, Mark, I appreciate that. Great. Spot on. When we come back here, we got to take a break. When we come back, State Representative Stephen Owens right around the corner. We'll get his thoughts on the legislative session. Stay right here on Kansas Talk. Now back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on Candace Talk. As always, appreciate you hanging out with us. Really happy to have this guy back on the program. My state representative up in the Great Topeka area, it's State Representative Stephen Owen. Stephen, what's going on, brother? How are we doing? Oh, doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? It is good. It's been a wild session. It's been a wild whirlwind. It seems like it just got started, and there's been some really good bills. There's been some kind of funky bills this year. But, man, it's almost over. You guys are just weeks away from this thing wrapping up. How do you feel going into the final days of this? Does it feel productive to you? You know, it, it, it does. It's just taken a while to, like, really feel productive because we've been really challenged on the House side. We got off to a rip-roaring start, got a bunch of work done, sent it over to the Senate, and the Senate was kind of like, yeah, we're not sure what we want to do or don't want to do. Um, so the Senate has taken a very different approach this legislative session, which has thrown a number of things into question. But as we got towards the end of this week, it really started moving some things, uh, took a lot of really big votes. Um, next week, we'll be in conference committee where we'll work out the differences between our legislation and get things wrapped up and uh, and send it all to the governor. So, yeah, literally, we've got about nine working days of our session left, which is really crazy to think about. Wow, it goes by so fast. Let's start off with some of the economic stuff. We obviously like to talk a lot about those on the program, there's been numerous different bills where the governor, being the Democrat that she is and hasn't cut spending in her past, all of a sudden is now all about cutting taxes. She wants to get rid of the sales tax on food immediately instead of the tier step that we've had here that started this year already going from the 65 down to the 4% that we have already right now. Also, the feminine hygiene issues, which I don't understand that one, and then uh, wanting to cut some taxes on some other things as well. Where are we with these, and what could we see at the end of the session here? Yeah, you know, tax cuts are great, but if you don't control spending, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> and uh, and that's what we're trying to fight with right now, right? We passed um, a really good comprehensive tax package, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But tax cuts only work if you're offset by spending cuts. And that's where we have not done a good job uh, when we work the budget. I spent some time uh, talking to my fellow uh, members across the House floor, helping them understand 
that, you know, as Republicans, nearly every one of us campaigned on controlling spending, on cutting spending. I mean, it's what we do. It's what we believe in. But then we get to Topeka and we don't actually make it happen. We don't stand our ground and say no. While I know this money will go do some good for somebody, this year the answer is no. And so a little amendment that I happened to pop on there that hadn't got a whole lot of media attention but's currently in the House budget actually holds FTEs constant based on the 2023 budget that was approved last session. Okay, So we had all these state agencies, there's 97 of them if I recall correctly, Many of them came in wanting to grow government through new full-time employees. And while I couldn't get my point through during the appropriations process, I sat on that committee, uh, I sure got my point through with a, uh, a large majority on the House floor in holding and cutting funding for any new full-time employees in this year's budget. Wow. Cutting spending. Man, what a challenge that is in that state, especially with the Democrats. They hate that. Just even mentioning that concept, they lose their minds. Oh, absolutely. And when you look at, I mean, we saw budgets where we had the State Historical Society, for example, um, requested 22 new FTEs in their budget. We had a KDH who wanted eight new FTEs to help get people off of Medicaid. Well, didn't they have FTEs to get people on Medicaid? I, I don't get it. I mean, it's just such a lack of you know, common sense when it comes to the growth of government. You know, growing budgets, they always want more. They always need more. That's a given. But one of the places I really felt like we as a body could put our foot down is say no more employees. Kansas, already second in the nation Mm. for the number of full-time or public employees. Second in the nation for the highest number of public employees per capita. Wow, I didn't know that. And then we talk about just the value for the benefits and the pay raises that we have to do because of just inflation and how we just have to make a living for it as well. So with the second highest number of public employees across the nation, then we have to pay them the wages that continue to climb every year. That's exactly it. And so at a minimum, we can say time out. Let's not add any more, right? I'm not saying let's cut any yet, although I can make a good argument for that. Yeah. But we had a, a, I think it was nearly a supermajority uh, support on holding government growth flat. It was supported by, ultimately supported by leadership, supported by our chair of appropriations. And so I think it's a good first step with this budget. But the budget still, um, it spends a lot of money. And granted, we're putting money in the, the rainy day fund. We're, we're doing a number of good things. There's no doubt about that. But We've got to learn how to control spending if we want to cut taxes. Well, we have to learn how to control spending. How are we doing when it comes to the the COVID-19 relief funding that came to the state as well? Is that increasing size of government, or have we done well maintaining that of just improving some things but not getting us into a hole down the road? Well, so no. The funny thing there is um, the governor opted not to take really any of our recommendations from our SPARC committees. (laughs) And, uh, and has sort of decided to use those funds kind of as her own personal piggy bank, if you will. Uh, and, and that's why it seems like every other day there's a new spending program somewhere. And so, no, uh, absolutely not. You know, there have been some good things done with that money, no doubt about it. But as part of this budget, we're doing everything we can to claw that money back, to put it back in the hands of the legislative process. Because last year, somewhere along the line, 
we thought that our sport committee recommendations that were legislative recommendations were going to be followed. And they, in many instances, have not been. Yeah. With this budget, and you and I were talking a little bit about this off the air before we came on here, but uh, the dependency on federal government, which I was kind of frustrated about with the whole raising the age of tobacco sales to the age of 21 in the state. But like we mentioned, it's all due to the uh, scarcity and, and being worried about losing federal funding. I saw a national poll that said that overall nationwide, we're one of the better states that are less dependent on the federal government. But Aren't there ways that we could work to become more financially independent from the federal government? No, absolutely, if we want to, if we choose to, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, one of, the, one of the reasons that we're the best is, is for example, uh, we've refused to expand Medicaid, which is billions more dollars mm-hmm. that would be coming into the, the federal government to create that new, you know, new program for able-bodied individuals to get free health care uh, at the expense of the taxpayers. Uh, so that's w- just one of many examples where we haven't gone that route, but so many state agencies rely on some level of federal grants, federal funding, money from the federal government. And while, I mean, I, I understand, right, it's there. If you don't take it, it's going to go to another state. At some point as a state, we either have to learn to wean ourselves off of that uh, or we're going to be controlled by the federal government, which in many ways we are, because it's perfectly legitimate. For them to say, and this was perfect example, was the CMS uh, ruling on on vaccine vaccinations within our healthcare facilities, right? Because it was tied to Medicare funding, it's perfectly legal for them to force that down on the state. Yeah. So any rule they want to put on us, as long as they tie it to funding, is perfectly legit and very difficult for us to fight against unless we just say, we're not going to take your money. Good golly. We're talking about State Representative Stephen Owens from the 74th District in the Newton area. Let's shift gears to the taxes. I know there's a few different tax bills that are floating out there right now, uh, including the quote-unquote flat tax, putting a tax rate at seven, uh, 4.75%, getting rid of all the different three tiers that we have. It keeps the $15,000 for the not, not taxing the first $15,000 in income across the state. Does that seem like that's the most likely tax bill that will come out of this at the end of the session? Yeah, so we passed the comprehensive tax package last week in the House, Senate Bill, uh, House sub for Senate Bill 169, and it really does five big things. Okay, first, it establishes a single rate income tax of 5.25%. Okay, it just flat across the board, but it also increased some of the standard deductions and indexes those to grow with inflation so that the, the folks on the lower income spectrum aren't aren't seeing any increase in their in their tax bill at all. So they're going to a flat, simple tax rate would be hugely beneficial. Um, we also eliminated the Social Security income tax cliff to help out our retirees, which is really, really huge. Um, and then uh, we also increased the property tax exemption by 25000 which, again, really helps our homeowners. And finally, we did advance the elimination of the remaining state sales tax on groceries until July 1st. Wow. So there's a lot of different ideas. Now, this is slightly different from the Senate side of it, though, as well, isn't it? uh, It is, absolutely. They took a very different approach. Um, They took a a bigger stick, if you will, to a flat tax. I think theirs was sub-5%, which was some pretty substantial increases in uh, in spending, or excuse me, in tax cuts, Mm. and would cost an awful lot more in revenue. They also did some different things with their budget with a flat percentage across the board, um, which, you know, there's some benefits and drawbacks to that. So 
where we're going next week is we're going into conference committee and conference committee is where we'll really work out the differences of our um, we'll really work out the differences of our policies on taxes, stuff like that. Sure. And I love it. I love what you guys are talking about with not only a simple flat tax, but then, as you mentioned, like uh, uh, raising up the property taxes and what you can write off there and also social security tax uh, breaks and, and those sorts of things. So there's a lot of good news, like you said, but it all comes down to we are going to take a hit on revenue until the economy responds and we get more business and growth in the state, which means we have to compensate by the budget that includes some of these spending cuts. That's exactly right. And that's what we've got to do. And that's what we've got to be firm on. Uh, this year, more than any other, I really realized just how our spending has, has gotten out of control and the growth of government that happens seemingly right underneath our nose. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, you can look at the budget and say that money does some good for somebody somewhere. But at what point are we going to hold agencies and organizations accountable? Perfect example, higher education. Okay, uh, higher education over the last five years has had a 10% decrease in enrollment overall through the Board of Regents. Yet, during the same period, they've had about a 20% increase in funding. Hmm. Okay, why should the taxpayer have to pay the bill for higher ed institutions that aren't reinventing themselves, that aren't taking significant steps to reducing their overall costs? Because we know that the number of, of children being born are decreasing. Therefore, the number of kids that are going to be going to school and then into college are going to be decreasing over time. We have got to expect these organizations to reinvent themselves and to do things differently because it can't just continue to be the burden of the taxpayer that makes up for the difference. Yeah, amen to that. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about some of the bills you guys have passed that may or may not be sitting on the governor's desk and potential vetoes. As Let's start off with the big bill that uh, was a big discussion this year, the women's rights bill and the women's sports bill that ended up coming across, obviously, uh, for some reason, super controversial in the state. But the governor vetoing the women's sports bill, do we have enough votes to override that veto? Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be mighty, mighty close. Uh, when we passed it in the House, we did have enough numbers. And we had one Democrat that joined us on that, and many of us thanked him for doing so. So uh, if, if, if everybody holds hold through, we will absolutely be able to override the veto. So I'm really optimistic we'll get there with that. Women's Bill of Rights, you know, who'd have ever thought that we as a legislature would have to actually define a man and a woman? <laughs> like, there are a lot of, there are a lot of statutes where that actually makes a big difference. Sure. And, and the thought that, you know, we have a Supreme Court justice, for example, that can't even define a woman. Um, puts the onus on us as a legislature to make sure those definitions are codified in statute. We had a bill that came across, uh, it was actually an amendment where on a sales tax bill where they were trying to eliminate human period products. <laughs> and so one of our representatives asked, can, can you define a human period? Like this is really confusing. Needless to say, that person got really, really upset. Um, and the amendment failed. But it, it's this idea that we're refusing to acknowledge men and women for what they are. And and it, it is just such common sense in my mind that but here we are having to pass the women's bill of rights. Governor will likely veto it. Those numbers weren't quite as strong. 
but we're certainly going to do everything we can to uh, override her veto. Yeah, well, and from what I heard, especially in the House of Representatives, you guys did get a couple Democrat crossovers on these bills, among yeah. some other things, didn't you? We absolutely did. We've had a number of Democrats that have joined us on some of these bigger bills um, that we've passed. And so we're really grateful for that and really grateful uh, that they see what we're trying to accomplish and that it's not malicious. We're not trying to attack anybody. We're trying to ensure that our traditional values that have existed long before you and I continue to be at the forefront of our policy and that we respect families, we respect children, uh, we respect limited government and all the other things that, that go into making us conservatives. Yeah, amen to that. One of the other bills you guys did get some bipartisan support on, uh, which was actually honestly pretty surprising, was the school choice bill. Where are we with that one? And do you think the governor will sign that or has she vetoed that as well? Oh, she's come out pretty strongly against that. You know, Andy, I think that that you know, that bill, the House and the Senate took very different positions. Uh, they're going to this week, they've actually already started meeting on in their conference committees, trying to kind of iron out their differences hmm. to see what uh, what gets sent to the governor. Now, you know, four years in a row, the governor has been at the table or her staff and negotiating this out. And something has come out that she ultimately has signed that includes funding and some policy changes. Will we see the full-blown voucher um, program? Not, a, I, I doubt that we will. I think that, that there are some flaws in it. Uh, I don't think that it's a bad idea overall, but I think that some of the ways that it is, uh, that it is structured right now needs some more work. Uh, and I, don't, I know we wouldn't have the, the numbers to override. I mean, we get into school choice and we recognize that, you know, we have 300 plus school districts in this state. Some of them do remarkably, remarkably well, yeah. and some of them uh, do not do well at all. And so the question always comes back to what is best for the kid? I realize money is important. I realize these schools are very important to our towns and our communities, and I realize that they're trying. Okay, There's no doubt, but we've increased school funding by well over a billion dollars over the last four years and continue to see those outcomes decline. And so the question is, what more can we do to provide more opportunities for our children to be successful? And we've got to get serious about that conversation. I don't think we would take such extreme positions in the legislature if people and these organizations and the schools would be willing to sit down and really iron out a plan for fundamental change that's going to change the direction of our outcomes and, and our test scores for our kids. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, like you mentioned, there are some districts that do fantastic jobs across the state and some that struggle. And ironically, it seems like to me, at least from what I've witnessed, is that the ones that struggle are the ones that seem to get the vast majority of the money whenever we increase funding at all. And riddle me this one, Stephen. I don't understand this concept as well. The pushback that many Democrats have on school choice is they don't want public taxpayer funds to go to private schools. The only time that a Democrat or the media ever balks against subsidies or against redistribution of wealth is when it comes to the education for the choice for children to have a better educational opportunity. They're all about it when they like to fund different uh, construction projects through subsidized programs through the government or through health care or through any other industry. But when you talk about subsidizing education and just giving a choice, they balk at it. And I just kind of laugh at that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, there are plenty of examples. You just named a number of them where, where public funds go to private organizations, whether it's building roads, interstates. Um, think about how much of our, our Medicaid money on a federal and state level 
goes to private hospitals and private doctors, right? We, we are constantly uh, utilizing public funds for private endeavors. And so uh, right or wrong, whether you agree or disagree with school choice, that argument absolutely does not resonate with me because there's far too many other examples uh, of where we do that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, we got just a few minutes here. Let's shift gears to a couple other things. You and I obviously uh, hang out together on the KSRA board for the Kansas State Rifle Association. How did we fare with Second Amendment issues? I heard a little bit about it, obviously, with the Eddie Eagle program that for some reason yeah. the governor is not a big fan of. Uh, I know we've also tried to work on some other uh, permits and the fees for permits across the state. But where did we fare with gun issues this year? Yeah, so we uh, we passed um, in the House, House Bill 2412, which would remove the state agency fee for concealed and carry license. Uh, Representative Shmoy, who is a staunch Second Amendment supporter, carried that legislation to make it uh, literally free, right? Yes, Kansas has constitutional carry, and that's fantastic. But really, to travel outside of the state, you need to have a concealed carry because many other states don't have constitutional carry and we're reciprocal with them. So the idea there is let's get rid of that fee. And that passed with strong support. And um, every anti-gun amendment that was attempted to be brought was either defeated by vote or defeated by germaneness. Mm. Um, Many of the bills or the amendments that were brought, everything from eliminating constitutional carry to eliminating campus carry to locking your guns up in storage and so forth and so on, they weren't germane to the bill. Uh, and so it's the wrong place to have that discussion. But we have fared very well thus far. The question is, when you get right down to it, what's the governor going to support? What's she not going to support? This bill passed with with uh, strong bipartisan support, if I remember correctly. So, um, wow. yeah, I think we did really, really well with our with our issues. You know, we have another big issue that on a state level we haven't figured out how to solve, and that is this new ATF pistol brace issue mandate that's coming up May 31st. Uh, We looked at various pieces of legislation and and basically found out that anything we do on a state level is kind of deemed unconstitutional. It's what happened in Missouri. So we're still looking for what is the best method to protect people from that, uh, while we also hope that the attorney general who's already filed the lawsuit uh, gets a stay on the execution of that new rule. Yeah, that is the benefit of having a staunch conservative attorney general to continue to battle those things. But we saw that example with the Second Amendment Protection Act we tried a few years yep. ago. And you're right, we have to, there's a way, I'm sure, but we have to continue to fight that battle to find ways to continue to protect the two-way issues. Even if it's just the accessories as opposed to the firearms themselves, <laughs> it means the same thing. Yeah, you're 100% right. So I'm grateful for Attorney General Kobach and his fight on that level. I know we're running out of time, but we did a couple other really big things in the last couple of days. Yeah. Uh, we passed some strong uh, ESG protections uh, with use of public funds and state funds. Now, they didn't go as far as what, what many of us wanted to, and many of us even signed on a resolution um, you know, calling on the legislature to go even further with it. But still, we took a good first step in protecting Kansans and their taxpayer dollars from this environmental, social governance uh, nonsense that's going on out there. The other thing we did is we made sure election day is election day. Um, And this idea that ballots can continue to trickle in after the polls are closed under the bill that we passed in the House would come to an end at 7 p.m. on election day. If your ballot is not turned in, it is not counted. Let's have some accountability within our election system. That's amazing. I love it. And coincidentally, the media is not covering any of those bits of uh, work that you guys are doing because they don't want any focus on those issues. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We know that 
the, the media picks and chooses what fits their narrative and, and shares what they yep. think is relevant when, you know, as Ron DeSantis refers to him as the legacy media that exists out there, we know um, in, in most instances lean to the left and some of them are so far to the left uh, that they can't even look to the right. Yeah. There it is. That's State Representative Stephen Owens from District Number 74 from the Newton area. We appreciate his time very much as we sat down with him at yesterday morning. All right, we got to take a break here. Hour number one all wrapped up. When we come back in hour number two, it's House Speaker Dan Hawkins, man himself in studio. He'll be hanging out with us here for the hour and give some updates on the end of the general legislative session of 2023 and a heck of a lot more. What's going on in Topeka? Lots more coming up here on Kansas Talk. Stay right here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back in. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 on the AM side, 99.7 HD4 on the FM side. Also, our new friends out at 1240 KIUL in Garden City, Kansas as well. Wichita's number one conservative talk radio program. Always appreciate you jumping on the program with us here. Starting off another weekend. Boy, a lot of great information from State Representative Stephen Owens. My representative up in the Newton area, District Number 74, love him to death, great personal friend, great representative. I love the fact that he is representing moi in there. I get to call him up all the time and be like, hey, I'm your constituent. Do my bidding. <laughs> I love having him on, so we'll get him back on again, too, as the uh, uh, session comes to almost a close. we got a few more weeks of wrapping up some loose ends, and we'll do another recap with him once it's all said and done little bit later on here if you want to jump into the program more than welcome to do so at 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK on the maximum outdoor equipment hotlines would love to hear from you but i want to shift gears as we continue to talk about some of the state legislation oh by the way i uh, just saw and a uh, caller mark that uh, from last hour as we talked about the trump indictment issues i was scrolling through during one of the breaks scrolling through media uh looking and donald trump has already raised more than four and a half million dollars in campaign contributions just in the couple of days of the announcement of his indictment so we were right the i mean he's already shattered records for republican uh, fundraising over the last few years with his campaigns and he's doing it again now with what's going on with his uh, personal uh, cases and personal issues so the money's already flowing in i don't see the uh, support for donald trump waning in any way shape or form if anything it's growing again Kind of interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to shift gears right now as we continue to talk about the legislative session. What's going on in Topeka? Now that the general session is essentially done, we have committee issues going on right now. And as we get ready for the sign and die coming up in a couple of weeks to finish off the session, what could we potentially override with the non-vetoing governor that doesn't like to veto issues that ends up vetoing more bills than any other governor in like 30 or 40 years uh what can we do to override what could we see at the end of this session to talk about some of that and more great friend on the program here and this year's speaker of the house mr dan hawkins dan how are you my friend great andy how you doing it is good to talk to you again it's good to have you in studio what a session uh first off I have heard nothing but amazing news of you being Speaker of the House this year. Everybody loves working for you. And I have to say, this has probably been one of the more productive sessions 
that we've seen in a very, very long time. We've had a great session. You know, I, I, I have a little bit different philosophy maybe than past speakers. Uh, I hire uh, chairmen to do their job. <laughs> I don't get in their way. You don't micromanage them? I what? do not micromanage Man. them. Uh, you, you, you put the best people in the best positions and, and, and empower them to do their jobs. And, wow, they do their jobs. Wow, it's amazing. Things yeah. get done. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I think that's really the, the key to the success is uh, that we've got some really, really great chair uh, chairs in our in our different spots and they have performed admirably yeah uh, very very good yeah we've gotten a lot of stuff done on a lot of different issues not all of them i know that there, obviously there's always so much more that we can do and it would have gotten done so much better if we had a republican governor at the time oh, right yeah. now but because everything that you guys work on you always have to go into the mindset it sounds like of if we have to pass a bill, we have to do it with the supermajority for a potential veto override because you always expect it to be vetoed. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one thing that we've had to deal with the last four years, and now we get to deal with it for the next four years. <laughs> uh, you, you know, anything big, we really, we really were uh, back during the last uh, election cycle. We expected Derek to win, Derek Schmidt to win. Uh, we had big plans yeah. uh, if he did win. And, and literally all the things that we had planned to do, we were still doing. Uh, it's just that now it's a lot harder and we have to get a higher, hit a higher bar. We've got to hit 84 votes in the house, 27 in the Senate, yeah. uh, which is the, you know, veto override level, uh, to pass the big stuff. And so there's certain things that we won't get done. Uh, probably one of my biggest disappointments is the fact that we most likely will not get school choice done. Uh, the, the educational savings accounts, uh, getting that started would have been an awesome thing for our students, yeah. uh, for all of those students at public schools, for whatever reason, just doesn't work for them. Uh, they would have an alternative, but um, she'll veto it. Uh, we only got 64 votes uh, when it came out of the house. Um, Why it, is that, do you think? You know, the education issue has always been a divisive issue. It shouldn't be because really what we're trying to do is make sure that our students uh, get a good education that they're that they're performing that they're ready for work that they're ready to go to college if that's their desire or to a technical school but they're ready they're they're yeah. prepared and ready to go and they just aren't uh, very you know there's the, the the if you if you get Christy Williams uh, chair chair uh, chairwoman Christy Williams of the K through 12 budget committee in here and talk to her sometime yeah we talked to her a couple weeks ago Did yeah she's got more facts and figures in her head than anybody <laughs> she knows it well yep and you know from talking to her that 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 our schools just are not performing very well yeah uh, so that's been a big disappointment if we had had Derek uh, it'd already be done right uh, we would have it but uh, we have Laura Kelly and Laura's uh, certainly going to veto it she's just salivating waiting to get her pen she's out she's waiting on that it. one which yeah. is weird because as and I know you guys have talked about it ad nauseum especially with Christy Williams but uh, we've sunk more money into public education every single year we talked about this for the last couple months is the fact that we're now hitting what 17 18 19 thousand dollars on average per student when yeah. I started in radio here about eight nine years ago in Wichita uh, we were talking about how it was breaking records, hitting about nine to $10,000, and private schooling was $11,000 right. per student, and how it was almost the same amount to send someone to a public school that was getting a, a third of the education is what a private school was, but costing the same amount. Now we're at almost $20,000 a student, and I don't know about the quality of education being raised any better. You no, know, and I think I think the the you know the data shows that it actually hasn't gotten any better. All the billions of dollars that we... 
We'll put in an extra, a brand new amount of about 175 million this year into K through 12 education, and and everything is flat or declining. The the test scores are not increasing. They haven't over the last 10 years, and they'll say, well, you know, Gannon's only been decided for three years. Well, it hasn't changed any over yeah. the last 10 years, even going back to the the Montoy case. Nothing has changed. Right. So, so it's not money, you know, no matter what they say, it's not the amount of money that educates children. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's really, you know, uh, the education system's just broke. Yeah. Uh, they're just not teaching what, you know, they're, they're teaching all of this emotional learning and all, you know, it's, it's just <laughs> crazy. They, you know, kids don't even learn to write cursive anymore. I mean, you know, what's the basics? Reading, so writing, and arithmetic. And that's just not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Yeah, the Oklahoma legislature right now is working on the same bill, and it's been in the news lately because it's been causing a lot of issues. But the argument I hear from Democrats all the time against school choice is that private schools need to stay private. Public schools need to stay public. We don't want competition in there and allow the children to make that choice uh, because we shouldn't have public funding going to private schools, uh, which I just chuckle, and we were just talking about, uh, about that with Stephen Owens, is that it's funny because they're all about subsidizing every other program under the sun with taxpayer money, but yet somehow when it comes to the kids' education and the quality of education, just for choice. I mean, oh, yeah. even if you stay in public schools, if you have the choice and competitions in the market, the quality is going to be raised because people want to maintain their consumers, meaning the students. So you would, I don't understand why subsidizing that's not good, but everything else is okay. Our economy is built on the free market uh, system. Right. And the free market absolutely will increase uh, the outcomes of public education. I've always said, you know, they say, oh, you're just going to close up all these public schools. I actually don't believe that. In other states, that's not the case. Right. Uh, what what actually happens is they have to compete. So they have to become better. Yeah. When you compete, you always become better. And who wins on that? The kids. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, the kids win. The, the, and that's really what it's all about. You know, they always talk about the kids, the children, the children, the children. But they do everything they can to keep the system the same, and the children continue being the same. They don't yep. improve. Exactly. So if they truly were worrying about the children, they would say, our system's broke. It's time to look for a, you know an alternative. And we have the alternative. We just got to get them to vote for it. And it's just pretty tough right now. It's a work in progress. We'll continue to work on that one. Let's talk about budgets and taxes for a second. Obviously, you guys have been working on an interesting budget, uh, but tax rates, you guys have come out with a tax bill. The Senate's been coming out with a tax bill, a little bit different tax rates, but essentially the consolidation of a quote-unquote flat tax, writing off the first $15,000 of income for individuals to where it's relatively the same with what we're seeing right now. Uh, Between the two different bills, talk about the differences and what we could potentially see at the end of the day. Well, in the in the we, we call it a single rate tax instead of a flat tax because it's real a flat tax is really kind of a misnomer, right? But it's a single rate tax. Uh, you know, the Senate started working on the tax plan first. Uh, they came out with their single rate plan at, at four seven five four point seven five percent. We're currently at five point seven on our top rate. We have a bottom rate of three one, okay. a middle rate of five two five, and then a top rate of five seven. They came out at four seven five. Um, you know, Ty, uh, the, the, the Senate president and I, Ty Masterson have been talking with the governor over the last several months about single rate. Uh, she's not moved much over that time. Um, then the house started working on theirs. They came out, uh, with last week, we came out with a five, two, five rate. Um, of course we really moved that bottom, um, 
exemption amount up uh, to where there's there's everybody's getting a tax break. Sure. Um, and actually, the bottom's actually getting as a percentage probably more because we've exempted so much income from the bottom. But we had to do that to make it to where the ones in the center got a tax break as well as you know the top. Sure. Um, we did that, and we did it in a responsible manner. Um, our tax package involves several things. It involves that the the single rate tax. It involves doing away with the cliff on 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 the tax on Social Security. So Social okay. Security right now, current law, if you make seventy five thousand or less in income, not just Social Security, but in income, right. And you're on Social Security, then you do not pay any income tax on Social Security. If you make seventy five thousand and one dollar, you pay clear back to zero. All right. you pay every all, you know tax on all of your Social Security at that point. Right. Uh, this a part of this uh, tax package is doing away with that cliff. So now, if you make over seventy five thousand, you don't go back and pay uh, clear back to zero. You start at seventy five thousand. You start paying you your income tax up. And it's on a graded scale up to 100000 Once you hit $100,000, you are going to pay uh, uh, income tax on your Social Security. We actually had started out this year in a little bit different uh, position on that, where we were going to grade it out over four years, and in four years there would be no income tax on Social Security. Sure. It was pretty expensive, and we really had to keep our tax package at about $500 million. Okay. And and that's exactly what our tax package came in, and it was just right at five hundred million. So it includes a single rate, meaning the loss that the government would get from tax revenue. Right. That's okay. that's the amount of money that we would be not bringing in. Sure. In revenue, so you got Social Security, you got the the flat the the or the single rate tax. You also have in there in that package. Um, uh, sales tax on food going to zero on state tax, not on the local tax. Sure. Uh, the locals still get a tax. Uh, that was $174 million that we'd be taking away from locals if we would have done that. Sure. Which was a, that was a, a provision of the Senate. Didn't go over well. It did not, uh, did not age well <laughs> at all during the, the, during the session. And by the end of, by the end of our middle of next, last week, uh, that was gone. Uh, they, even the Senate had voted against that. Uh, then we also we also uh, lowered uh, tax on small business, uh, so there's a small amount of of tax savings. So everybody got, literally everybody in this tax package tax package gets a, a, a tax break, sure. which is what we wanted. Right when we started this point. session, yeah, when we started this session, we wanted to put a little bit more money into the rainy day fund, our budget stabilization fund, which is about five hundred million. Um, you know, we wanted to pay off a little bit more debt, mm-hmm. and then do targeted tax relief. Well, this is really great tax relief. Another thing that was put in that tax package that's not in the Senate is the, you know, we have 20 mills um, that the state controls, 20 mills for property taxes, the state controls, all that goes to education. Sure. Uh, We exempted from, last year we exempted up to 40,000. This year we're exempting up to 80,000 on that 20 mills. So we're given property tax relief on the property tax we control, right? Uh, most of it's actually controlled at the local level, local county levels. Yeah, yeah. But our twenty mills, we're given some pretty good tax relief, so we're we're doing what we believe is right for our uh, for for their constituents across the state when it comes to property taxes. Sure, sounds like a lot of tax cuts. Uh, the feminine hygiene products. I mean, that's the that's the priority one. We need to make sure that we don't have any tax <laughs> sales tax on that stuff, though, right? Well, you know that. Uh, th- 
we had a when we had our tax debate on the floor of the house this week we had lots of amendments by the democrats <laughs> that was one of them and it it, it failed miserably I, I can imagine but that was governor kelly she wanted the feminine oh, yeah. hygiene products oh, i mean yeah. now you have to define what a woman is which apparently she vetoed to define what a woman is so maybe i identify with feminine hygiene products i don't know well we had that question asked during the uh tax debate actually <laughs> representing barb wassinger from hayes Ask uh, Representative Stephanie Clayton, what is the definition of feminine? And it made her so mad she walked off. She walked away. Can't <laughs> even answer it. Interesting how that works. It's Speaker of the House Dan Hawkins in studio with us here. We'll continue some of these conversations. We'll talk about what the bills look like at the end of it, the negotiation between the two chambers for our tax bills plus our, our state budget. What did we see increase? What could we see potentially decrease in the state budget? along with the $2 billion surplus we have in the state right now. If you have any questions, you can call 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Got a lot more to get to here on Kansas Talk. Stay right here. past the hour welcome back into the program thanks for hanging out today on a saturday morning i still laugh man we're gonna we're gonna get some of the senators on we'll hopefully be able to get say uh senate president ty masterson on the program here relatively soon to get an update from that side of congress here in the state tobacco sales raised to the age of 21 in the state of kansas and it passed by a 28 to 11 vote in the senate come on man What's going on there? Uh, it did pass the House as well. Not quite as a, it didn't pass by a supermajority in the House side. No, 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 it didn't. But it, you know, we've had uh, this was, I think this was our second session to vote on that, and both times it passed out of the House. This is the first time it passed out of the Senate. I think I've voted against it every single time it's come up. I fundamentally just don't agree with it. Yeah, you know, you, you, you these young people, eighteen years old, they can they can vote, they can drive a car. You know, they can sign contracts, they can go in the military, and they can give their life. Yep. But can't they cannot a smoke a cigar or a cigarette, and they can't drink a beer. Yeah. There's something wrong with that. There's something really wrong with that. It's very strange. Yeah, you can get married at 18. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're a full-fledged adult, except for being able to, you know, smoke a, like you said, smoke a cigar or have an adult beverage. Uh, I remember at the age of 18, I was working at a feed store, and my 18th birthday, I was working that day. I got off of work, or I got out of school, I went to work, I went to the gas station and bought a two-pack of Swisher Sweets, yeah. and I sat in the back of the feed store, and I smoked a Swisher Sweet, and I said, this tastes nasty, but I'm allowed to do it now, and I'm excited that I got to do it for the first time uh, in my life. Yeah, well, I started smoking long before I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> I did yeah. finally quit. Uh in 2000 when i quit smoking good for you and i started drinking way early too <laughs> i quit that so quit that. Yeah. i did all of that when i was young and that's I don't right do it anymore. i didn't quite hit the 21 age for the drinking i did that slightly earlier yeah. than that you know yeah. freshman year of college got to me a little bit but nonetheless yeah it's uh it's it's just wild that uh, we have these arbitrary weird lines let's talk about the budget for a second obviously we have a two billion dollar surplus in the state right now um before we get into the actual budget why do we have a $2 billion surplus? I know that we've seen uh, tax revenues in a little bit higher than projected on monthly basis. 
But that does that also include a lot of the COVID-19 relief funding as well? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, the amount of money that's come into the state from the federal government, which is the reason why the federal government is in so bad a shape. Where and it's at why, right now, yeah. And why we have inflation running rampant is, is they just printed so much money and just gave it to the states. You would not see us with the end imbalance we have if we didn't have all that one-time money coming in. And I say one-time money, it was actually over uh, two or three different segments, but it was all one-time money that was given to us. And so our, our challenge was is to make sure we sp- spend it on one-time expenses and not adding new programs. Right. Uh, like our governor wants to add Medicaid expansion. Well, we had that debate, by the way, this last week, and uh, it failed again. So. It failed again. Yeah, yeah, I know you've been, uh, thankfully, you've been staunchly against that one and fighting I that have. one tooth and nail for years. So uh, d- it didn't even get across the line, did it? No, no. It uh, Actually, their, their um, uh, amendment they brought was ruled not germane, but, but we had about oh. an hour debate. Uh, because I actually thought it was a, a uh, the the amendment was germane to the bill that we were debating, so I didn't anticipate that happening. Sure. And we had quite a vigorous debate, and then all of a sudden, one of our attorney members comes up and says, "This isn't germane," and he goes up and he just challenges it, and boom, yeah, it was just done. Yeah. So, Interesting. Well, you, I was going to say, we haven't had that conversation in a little bit. So, no, we haven't. Yeah. That's okay. We're going to take a hard news break here. Let's okay. continue this when we come back. Um, interesting that that didn't get as much attention as what I'm sure Governor Kelly especially wanted it to have oh, for yeah. the year. So we'll talk about the budget when we come back. Also, some of the bills that we could potentially override on the vetoes, the Women in Sports Bill, Women's Rights Bill, and a heck of a lot more as we wrap up the session for 2023. It's House, it's uh, Speaker of the House, Dan Hawkins, right here in studio with us here on Kansas Talk on KQAM. Stay right here. It's Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Man, on the home stretch here, last half hour of the program goes by way too fast across the board. Also want to welcome our new friends out at 1240 KIUL in Garden City, Kansas, broadcasting from east to west across the state, baby. That's what it's all about. More than welcome to call in at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, current Speaker of the House. For our state legislature, Mr. Dan Hawkins, District Number 100 in the Wichita area here, hanging out in studio for another segment as we talk about the state budget. So let's talk about the state. We started teasing it a little bit in that last segment. We have $2 billion in our uh, surplus right now, and we talked about how to move forward with our budget. How does the budget look this year? Are we increasing spending again? So actually, actually we're underneath, well... We're increasing spending. You got to be clear on that. Uh, well, sure. So the governor comes out with her her recommendation, and her recommendation this year was a nine point five billion dollar budget, which was about a billion dollars more than last year. But well, there right. were some things that make up that billion, so you got to be careful when you say that. Five hundred million of it was money that we want to go into the rainy day fund. Sure, that's money that's still in the system, but it goes as an expense because we're taking it out of. The general the budget, fund. yeah, the general fund, and we're putting it into a rating day fund. Five hundred million there. The governor also had two hundred twenty million that she had for an infrastructure hub, which was just her way to be Santa Claus and give money away to transportation and various <laughs> things. 
And then she had a $50 million Schloss fund that she wanted just for her to be able to do grants to whoever oh, she wanted. Nice. So, feminine hygiene. Uh, well, and that was that's on the tax side, which we we we, we did not allow that. We <laughs> stopped that one. That was a that was a good stop. So so out of, what we did was we're still going to do uh, five hundred million into the rainy day fund, and that's fiscally uh, responsible, and it helps us to be able to sustain or or, or have stability during a downturn. Which I still th- say there's going to be a downturn coming. May not be here yet, but I think it's really close. All the way, yeah. Uh, so having that money, that'll put about a billion and a half total over the last two years into our budget stabilization fund. I call it Ready Day Fund. Sure. Um, in addition, it includes language to enhance legislative oversight on the federal funds that we've got, all that federal funds. A lot of times right now, the governor kind of gets uh, free reign on that, and we don't like that. And so we're, we're making sure that the uh, legislature has oversight over that. Increases tuition assistance for students seeking career and technical education certificates to fill high-demand jobs, high-skilled jobs. Mm. Includes grants for organizations to develop crisis services for individuals with intellectual or developmentally disabled. Uh, Improves Medicaid reimbursements for nursing homes. Right now we have nursing homes that are just struggling because our reimbursement rate on Medicaid is not enough. It's not covering their costs. So we we up that amount that's going to nursing homes to hopefully stabilize stabilize that whole system and make sure we don't lose a bunch of uh, homes. Right. Uh, it also includes uh, funding for highway patrol uh, to uh, continue taking care of their aircraft, which is a, a, a thing we've been trying to do with their aircraft was way old and we're trying to modernize that. And then an alternative to abortion program establishes a statewide program to enhance and increase resources to promote childbirth uh, instead of uh, uh, instead of abortion uh, for women facing unplanned pregnancy. So, really looking at supporting these uh, pregnancy crisis centers and making sure that they are they're helping to take care of these child, children that are born. Sure. A lot of the Democrats always say, "You don't take care of kids after they're born." We, you know, we we want abortion so these kids just don't grow up. You know, that's just that, right. Oh, that just drive me nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's not crazy. Yeah. It's not true. And so we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is and we're making sure some of these, uh, where a lot of, uh, uh, pregnancy crisis centers are taken care of. Sure. Uh, so it, what it ends up, uh, Andy is, is the governor's recommendation for 23, 24, we're about 170 million under her recommendation. Now that doesn't mean that we aren't spending money. Sure. You know, it's uh, you know, that you always got these gimmicks where they say, well, you know, we're we're just we're just cutting the increase. We're not cutting spending, but they call it a cut. Exactly. Uh, it's not really a cut. <laughs> um, but what we're trying to do is to make sure we're being fiscally responsible. So we stopped her two hundred and twenty million dollar infrastructure hub. Give her fifty five million next year for that, uh, and then we spread that out over a four year period. Uh, her fifty million dollar slush fund. We didn't give her that. And then that $500 million, uh, that's going into the rainy day fund. So really when you look at that billion dollars more than last year, uh, about $770 million of it uh, we've taken care of. Sure. Uh, so it's not the spending that, that she started out with, which doesn't make her happy. Of uh, course. She thinks that uh, she can take care of that money better than uh, our, our, uh, our taxpayers or that the legislature can. So, so I think we've really produced a – uh, a, a very uh, sustainable budget this year. I think it's a good budget. 
And then when you go when you put it with the tax uh, the tax packages that we put in place, sure, uh, I think it's really going to look good. So what it sounds like it sounds like the majority of the increase that we're seeing because right she's going to see it as a cut. Well, it's, I had had this level. Right. You guys are coming in under that, so it's a cut. But the increases that we are seeing seems like it's almost just cost of living increases essentially just based on inflation based on like you said compensating more for uh, nursing homes and that sort of thing just the cost of living increase for the government to survive but it's not expanding agencies it's not expanding departments creating new projects you are absolutely correct you know you know the one thing that we as republicans believe that we government is meant to do the things that people can't do themselves right transportation um you know the certainly Medicaid for the frail and elderly and, and, and the poor. Right. Uh, in this case, this nursing home deal is at crisis level. Uh, we've had five nursing homes closed in the last three months. That's devastating. Yeah, it is. But to those, those places where they've closed, it is absolutely des- devastating. And some of those people are having to move, be moved 90, 100 miles away to find another bed for them to stay at. So it's important for us to stop that. We think that if we don't do something, that we'll probably lose 12 to 14 before the end of the year. Wow. And so up in the Medicaid reimbursement rate was a big deal. Also, we uh, up the Medicaid rate for targeted case management has to do with the the um, HCBS waiver, which is the home and community service-based waiver. Um, so those are things that we have to do. Those are things, those are government functions. Right. They cost money. They do cost money. So there is an increase there, but I think it's going to be well spent. Sure. Uh, so it's something we had to do. Yeah, that is good news. I love that. So we're, we're on track there. The next question is with the surplus, you said, how much are we putting into the rainy day fund? And now that we're doing potential tax cuts, obviously we're going to see a hit temporarily in the yeah. revenue coming in, but right, right now sales, sales tax revenues doing well. We're still seeing it coming in on a monthly basis, higher than projections, especially on sales tax of just buying regular goods. Oh yeah. So, so actually, so if you figure, you know, our, our, the, the house tax cut, uh, is about 500 million. Um, they've done profiles for us so we can see the, the budget run, apply the tax to it. Even with that, we're still going to be at about two and a half billion, um, when we finish, uh, next year. Uh, by 2026, we'll be just a hair under $2 billion. So even with the tax cuts, as long as we don't have a um, uh, recession come in, we're going to be in pretty good shape. Right. But that's the important part of that $1.5 billion that's in the rainy day fund. If a recession does come, we've got the money to be able to weather the storm and not have to – we don't want to go out and raise taxes. Right. You know, that's just, it's hard to find anybody that wants to do that. So, <laughs> uh, so this, I think this is time. It's, it's, it's really timely. We're doing it in a, a responsible way and I think it'll work out well. Yeah. I like that. Uh, we got a few and minutes. And it's bipartisan. Uh, and it's bipartisan. Yes. There's actually, wait, there's actually Democrats on board with. There were 10 in the house that voted with us Whoa. on that. Yeah. I'm sure Governor Kelly's not happy about that. No, they actually worked all day long trying to <laughs> trying to keep the Democrats off of that. Didn't work. Didn't no, work out too no, well. Well done. No. Democrat ranks are splitting right now in the legislature, which I have to say, I've never, in all the years that we've covered the legislative issues, I've never heard more stories about Democrats breaking ranks and supporting Republican agendas in our legislature this year than I have in previous years. It is strange. Uh, I, in my it's, 10 years, I've never seen it because they pr- stay pretty solid uh, uh, as a block. And we're seeing fractures all over the place. And I think it's just the fact that they know, number one, that we've got this huge budget surplus and you do need to give some of that money back to our people. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I don't think they can vote against it. Now, some of them do, 
But if you look at the people that voted with us, these were all of the leadership in, in the Democrat Party that are on the Democrat side that actually voted with us. Actually supported it. The yeah. ranks are splitting under Governor Kelly. That's yeah. fascinating. Uh, we got a few minutes left here. Let's shift gears to some of the other issues. Now that we're going into the final areas here, we're looking at what bills we can override the veto on, what we're not. Let's get into some of the, obviously, the hot topic ones, the women's rights bill, women's sports bill. The women's sports bill, Governor Kelly did veto uh, but these bills overall, will we have enough to override those vetoes, and could we see them happen this year? I do believe we will, Andy. It's not it's not an easy proposition. Uh, the 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 first veto coming up will be the fairness of women's sports veto. It's probably going to be middle of the week of next week. Okay. Uh, we have to make sure we have all of our people there because we actually had one Democrat that voted with us, um, and we have two Republicans that will not vote with us. Uh, one of them on a women's sports bill. Yes, mm. okay. it is sad. Um, um, a representative out at Ulysses is not voting with us, and one in Emporia is not voting with us. So interesting. Yeah, it's really sad. But I do believe uh, we've got to make sure we have everybody back. If we do, we do have one Democrat, and there's a possibility we pick up another Democrat. So I'm pretty bullish on the fact that we'll get that override done. Okay. Uh, the 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 uh, the women's uh, bill of rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, uh, we had a really strong total on that. So I think that, and I do believe the governor will uh, veto that one. I think we'll override that. I, I thought she was for women. Yeah, well, whole, that was, ah, let's, t- let's go back. So <laughs> that, that was during campaign. Campaign Kelly said, of course, men are not supposed to, uh, we can agree that men should not compete against women in sports. But this is Governor Kelly. Governor Kelly no longer has a campaign to win. Oh, that's right. And so she mm-hmm. she flopped back over to the other side and is uh, vetoing those things. Well, I so. thought the whole, like, women progressive, women can do everything men can, women's rights, hoorah, we're finishing up Women's History Month, and she's all about parading women. She can't sign a women's bill of rights during the time of parading women. Like, is that's it? it? That's fascinating. Well, it is. It's, it's, it's really, um, what's the word for it? I'm trying to think. You know, when you think about... Uh, the the women's rights movement that's happened over the last thirty years. Yeah, where are they at? Where are they? Yeah. Why are they not supporting their women? Why are they allowing, or even they're just silent? They're sure. just not saying anything. Uh, you know, the feminists and, should be on board with you on this they issue. They should. <laughs> and, and and in fact, I will tell you when you get away from the politics of Topeka, right, and you go out and talk to people across the state, this crosses ideological barriers there's democrats that believe that that men should not be vote uh, uh be uh competing yeah. against women in sports right and there's a lot of republicans so it's not all ideological it's politics in topeka that's driving this wow so it's they're not listening to all of their folks yeah that's that's mind-boggling but you're right so if she vetoes that one that would be two in the row there how many does she vetoed by the way how many bills does she vetoed this session so only one so far. Okay. Uh, but All she right. hasn't. She's only had. I think she's only had four on her desk so far. Now she's getting lots. Uh, she she got quite a few this last week, and of course this next week is the uh, conference committee week. That's where the sausage is actually made. Everything right. really is finished up in conference. We'll have lots of vote throughout the week. She'll have probably fifty, sixty bills dumped on her desk by the end of next week. Gotcha. And and she's going to have to sift through them. Uh, then we, we, after next week, we take two weeks break, uh, give the governor a chance to sift through all the bills, give our staff the chance to catch up. Right. And then we go back, I believe it's on the 24th of April 
into veto session. And we expect to have a lot of vetoes. We yeah. expect to have a lot of work to do. That's right. So just cram through and just override all of them again. Yeah. Um, going into this next week with finishing up those bills, what other than these two bills, obviously, what are the big priorities that you see coming up that's uh, a focal point for you guys to finish up the session? Well, we, we have a – there's actually almost everything out there uh, has to go through conference because there's differences between the House and the Senate bills. Sure. And so, so our conference is going to be very big, but, but there's, there's large stuff out there. There's small stuff out there. I I really think, um, I would say our education is going to be a big deal. Uh, We have both an education, but a K through 12 budget out there, um, that we have to pass. And if, if she were to veto that, um, then we're going to have to do some work on that during uh, Mm. veto session. Um, we have the ESA bill. We have uh, ESG. We have lots of E's. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we got the ESG bill. That's going to be a big one out there. Uh, I think we came to a really good compromise on that. We had a lot of uh, folks uh, really work on that. Chris Croft, our majority leader, uh, really spearheaded working with all of the different parties to actually get something done. Um our own representative Nick Hoheisel here in Wichita was uh, the chairman that did it, and then we had representative Michael Murphy out in Sylvia that was uh, the pay- played a huge part in in working through that system. So we had we had some really big people working on this ESG issue. Uh, one issue that uh, that, I, that I keep hearing a little bit about I was actually at dinner the, or breakfast this morning, and a guy came up at breakfast and said, "What about?" Uh, China uh, owning our land. Yeah, that was going to be a question for you. Yeah, and and that's a bill that we've worked on, but we do not have it done. It's there's just a lot of a lot of things that you have to think about, and make sure you don't uh, miss any unintended consequences. So I think that's a bill we'll see next year. Okay. You know, continue working on it and be able to bring it out next year. It's just not quite ready for prime time yet. Sure, not quite. I know Oklahoma's been working on something like that. Nebraska as well has had some conversations about bills like that. So that was uh, on the radar-ish, but I hadn't heard you guys talk much about it. So I, I figured it was kind of in the writing process right now. Yeah, it's it's actually been written and it's been debated and and they just don't agree on a few things. And Farm Bureau's uh, Farm Bureau and KLA Kansas Livestock Association all, uh, are are huge uh, stakeholders in that issue, but then you don't want to make sh- you want to make sure you don't do something with land that affects home ownership. Right. So it's it, you just got to make sure you. I don't be careful bases. on that one. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if the federal government would just actually work on that at a federal level. Yes. And say, yeah. hey, foreign governments and foreign uh, businesses shouldn't be buying up property here in the U.S. Right. Right. Simple case. Uh, I love it. It is Dan Hawkins, uh, Speaker of the House for the uh, State Legislature, District Number 100 as well. He has been through a busy one. Like I said, I've got nothing but good news about everything you've been working on. I appreciate all the time you give us here on the program. You're always a great personal friend, great friend on the show here. And what a session. So hopefully let's continue moving on here. Andy, I appreciate it. We've had a good session. We just got to finish it up now. Got to finish strong. That's yep. right. Get those veto override pens ready, yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> Get that pen and that phone ready to go. I'll have a special pen that I'll sign off whenever we override Ooh. one of our... Uh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'm wondering uh, if Kelly, I'm, I'm assuming over under on, let's say the 50 bills that she gets, you think she'll be veto the majority of them? No, I would say, I would say there's probably 10 or 12. 
tenor. Okay. Uh, and, the big and, ones, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then in the budget, she could do several line item vetoes. And I, a lot of times we can override those. Mm. So There it is. We Did, need to break our last record of doing nine in one day. We need ooh, to break that. I like that. Yeah. That's a good one. Dan, I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, Andy. Always a pleasure. All right. We got one more segment wrapping up the program today for you Saturday here on Kansas Talk. Stay right here. Welcome back into the program here on Kansas Talk. Boy, great content, great information. We appreciate Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House, District Number 100 here in the Wichita area, coming on the program, giving us so much information. We'll do it again here soon. So as he mentioned, this week is the committee week. They finalize all the bills. They finish up stuff. They get it out to the governor. They wait a couple of weeks, and then they get ready for their veto override session. Over, under on the 12 bills. How many bills do you think Governor Kelly's going to veto going into the end of this session because that middle of the road work together commonsensical non-partisan governor that we have laura kelly has vetoed more bills than we've seen in the last 40 years from different governors but by golly she's willing to work with republicans and work across the aisle as long as you do the way we want to and the way that i want to as the progressive left-wing democrat governor kelly that we are Funny how that works. That does it for us today. Back at it again next weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. No, next weekend's Easter weekend. We will not be here Easter weekend. So happy Easter to you. We'll be back at it the following week on the 15th of April. Everybody, happy Easter. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the warmer weather. We're back at it on our national broadcast of The Voice Reason coming up on Monday as well. The weekend with Michael Brown right around the corner. Everybody have a wonderful day. We'll see you on the radio.